well, Brent is gay, and Kaylin's gay, and Clark is gay, and Brian's gay, and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Issue 158.5. I'm Kaylin. Clark. I'm Ryan. I'm Adam. And I'm Brent Wingate. And for the next few weeks, we're going to be doing two recordings a week. The first one comes out every Friday. It's called Crossing Swords. And it's covering the massive X-Men crossover, Ten of Swords. We're doing it with uh, other podcasts, including X-Reads Podcast, uh, the podcast that goes SNCC, Comic Book Queer's Legacy, and House of X. And then the other one, uh, this one, in fact, the one you're listening to, will be coming out on Mondays, where we cover uh, non-X-Men comics, comic news, and whatever other nonsense we come up with. So speaking of nonsense, I'm going to turn it over to Brent. All right, so this week we are kicking off our spooky October. <laughs> That's right. Homo Superior is doing two months of spookiness every year. Uh, this week we learned Sony is run by a bunch of alcoholics with poor decision-making skills. Disney Plus has announced some uh, features for its, uh, some of its future Marvel shows. Amazon uh, might be giving a spinoff for their hit show, The Boys. LA Comic Con... I, I guess is still on for now. Uh, we play a pitch game, and as always, we go over the issues. Let's get into uh, some odd news. Uh, determined to make the sequel to Spider-Man Far From Home terrible, Sony is in talks with Jamie Foxx to reprise his role as Electro. It's, of course, the Electro from The Amazing Spider-Man 2, where Andrew Garfield was a Spider-Man. Uh, my question is, did Sony just see the success of Into the Spider-Verse and think, how can we do this to every movie? How would you make a worse choice than they did? Kaylin? So um, the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies have to have home in them, right? Because you had uh, Homecoming for the first one, Far From Home is the second one. The third one should be called You Can't Go Home Again because you shouldn't be bringing back a character from the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man series that no one liked and trying to put it into this into this canon. It just, it's silly. I mean, Jamie Foxx is a fine actor. Uh, I, he did a pretty shitty job as Electro. Uh, obviously they're trying to do the whole Spider-Verse thing to your point, Brent. And they're try, I'm sure they're gonna try to bring him in as a Sinister Six uh, villain, but I don't know, it just seems ill-advised. Ryan? Uh, you're exactly right. I would say, why did you burn my home down is what my title for the next one would be because this seems like it doesn't make any fucking sense. So Jamie Foxx was notoriously not great in this role and the movie is notoriously not great. So I know they're trying to like run towards a Sinister Six, but it makes no sense whatsoever. Unless, unless, unless he truly comes through a portal into our world and then we get some like uh, some sort of different different character development because I think it's going to be tough to do within the MCU that we know and love already. I think it's going to be really tough. So you'd like it just to be the case that our actual universe is Jamie Foxx becomes Electro. <laughs> yeah, and we're just... He's a, real, he's a real ray of light there. Uh, what were you going to say, Clark? Did anyone actually see that movie? I, yeah, it's bad. I can't, I can't get through it. It's awful. It's so tough to get through. I can barely get through the first one because I thought it was just so boring. And the second one's even worse somehow. I, and it's sad because there are stakes. They're like, Gwen Stacy dies. We know this. This is not a spoiler. It's from years ago. 
but like this should have been yeah. way more impactful, but nothing happened. I yeah. just, it's, it's quite outrageous for Sony to have the balls to do this because they have some new partnership with Disney, but like, wouch, youch. I, I think uh, that the amazing Spider-Man two was reviewed as being the best movie to watch on an airplane while it's crashing. <laughs> while you're asleep while it's crashing yeah <laughs> I, th I thought that was speed to cruise control it just seems like such a misguided thing to do altogether like they don't like in general when you make a sequel the problem is that you don't understand what it was about the original that people liked and so you lose the heart of that and in this case they don't know what people disliked or liked about any of the movies they've made so far or what, why they like the MCU version of the Spider-Man. Or, or, or even movies, or movies yeah. in general. They're like, what is a movie? <laughs> uh, moving on. Um, so in some exciting casting news, an up and coming actress, Iman Vellani, has been picked to play Miss Marvel in the future Disney Plus series. And Samuel Jackson is going to reprise his role as Nick Fury in his own respective show. Uh, how do you guys feel about the choice of Iman? And what do you think might be some of the stories they tell for these characters? Adam? Uh, I'm super excited for uh, the actress as well as just the show in general. Having just beaten the Avengers video game campaign that have come out, Ms. Marvel is a fantastic uh, main character and I think will certainly resonate with a lot of people, whether they're young, old, or all sorts, like I think it's just a very cool character and being like, at least in the video game, as well as I think in the comics, like kind of a super fan of superheroes. I think it's very cool. I'm a little bit worried about them being able to get that crossover nature uh, in terms of like S.H.I.E.L.D. was a failure because all they got was Nick Fury for one episode at the end of the, first, the pilot. So I, I think to make really, I think her a success, it'll be kind of fun if she has a little bit of greatest hits, but I also get worried that they might copy the Spider-Man, current Spider-Man model too much, where they're, they're always being like lectured or supported by uh, somebody from uh, the, the more main MCU. Uh, but, I, but I'm interested and excited, Ryan. T totally agree. Um, playing also that game, which I actually enjoyed. A lot of people fucking hate online, but I'm not really sure why. But um, she is the point of view character and she is a Spider-Man type of character in terms of like, she's the point of view. She's naturally good, blah, 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 all of that stuff. But I think she's so different than him in terms of her origin, yeah. way she's raised, her culture. Like uh, so many things are different that I think it's great to have her as basically this tentpole of what we need going forward in terms of diversity and also just like what the like what our younger avengers look like right not to say young avengers but still <laughs> to see, to see that is very nice because i think she's going to do so well and i have a bunch of thoughts on nick fury but Kaylin, i'm going to let you talk about it sure uh miss marvel really quickly i just wanted to uh, just echo what you said about diversity i'm actually very excited to see a south asian family you know, kind of like her being a second generation immigrant, uh, um, you know, living in, um, in a, you know, very like, uh, I think it's going to take place in North Jersey, just outside of like, you know, Marvel's New York City, uh, and seeing her interact 
not actually not even interact with the heroes, but sort of hero worship them yeah. and trying to be a hero in her own sense. Like with Spider-Man, you saw that a little bit, but in the first, in going back to Homecoming, he definitely looked up to Iron Man, but Iron Man was his mentor. Right. I'm curious to see her trying to do this on her own without another hero mentoring her and her screwing up and her having to like, you know, uh, hide who she is uh, as a superhero from, you know, her, you know, her, you know, South Asian first generation immigrant family. So Brent, I think you were about to say something. Yeah, I was just going to dovetail what Ryan was saying about how, you know, they, there's, they've already talked a lot about how these TV shows are going to de definitely lead into movie roles and the process of trying to find someone to play Miss Marvel, um, you know, that casting was extraordinarily extensive. And for them to, you know, finally pick Iman is very exciting because I think that um, one of the highlights of the MCU has been how well they've, they've been able to get these, uh, some, uh, some relatively less known and some bigger actors right. fit a role and either redefine it or really present it well to other people. Uh, Clark? I'm, I'm excited um, just to have a Muslim family on television that's not going to be some sort of terrorist cell or something horrible. Hey, exactly. at least 24 alone, Clark. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, <laughs> I mean, Brie Larson's going to have to show up in this, yes? Yeah. Oh, yeah. a thousand sure. percent. You know she's going to be inspired by, like, like she is literally going to use her old Captain Marvel costume or something at some point. She's going to, like, shave half of her head and then have some weird... Pony. I'm into it. Probably better styling, but yes, exactly. Do just are do we know? Because obviously the Inhumans are more or less forgotten in the MCU. So what are how are they going to do her powers? Um, a MacGuffin gives her powers. Boom, she's now Miss Marvel. <laughs> Next scene. Yeah. Um, it's no one's no one's going to care about it. Um, but uh, I also think Monica Rambeau is going to show up. I know Monica Rambeau is going to show up in uh, WandaVision, uh, but because of her link to Captain Marvel in you know the movie that came out a couple years ago, where she was a little girl, I think she's going to maybe serve as a mentor to Miss Marvel as well. That's a good guess. If, there, if yeah. she has a mentor at all, so. I like that a lot. Yeah. Speaking of someone who might show up. And another Disney Plus series, Nick Fury. I think Monica Rambeau could even show up in Nick Fury's new Disney Plus series, too. I feel yeah. like she's going to keep jumping around. We know she's going to show up in WandaVision. But Nick Fury's, like, season of what he's doing, which I'm, I'm going to spoil it for you guys. It's pretty clear that it's going to be Agents of Sword. It's so yeah. obvious. There's no, like, he was literally on a sword base, the peak at the end right. of Spider-Man Far From Home. So, like, it's very obvious where it's going to go. I think it's cool. It's like, it's the MCU trying to do the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. with the big budget and with the big names that they wanted to have at all times. So, I'm very excited about this series. And call me crazy, but I think Nick Fury's going to maybe die soon because he's been around for a while and someone else is going to take up the mantle, a certain green haired lady that is yeah. not Polaris, which is <laughs> Abigail Brand. Like, I think I'm, it's I'm definitely going to happen. Very excited for her if that in fact yeah. happens. Me too. Yeah. Me Such too. a bitch. In all I, I don't ways. like you. I don't like that. Uh, you know, I know you're talking about the character, Nick Fury, but I don't even like that, that bad juju you bring in 
to 2020 about possibly losing Samuel Jackson. <laughs> Ryan, I don't fucking need it. Yeah, he's actually going to lose his other eye from a different cat alien, and then just it goes to his brain, and he, he dies. He passes away very slowly. So in other Disney Plus news, uh, they released a trailer for their documentary series, 616 which will highlight the Marvel Universe's impact on pop culture. I think this kind of stuff can pretty easily slip into like a boring form of self-promotion and bragging, but I do think the trailer made it seem like we might get a little bit more heart and kind of some of the personal stories that make up fandom. Were there any segments you guys uh, thought kind of stood out and uh, are there any parts you're looking forward to? I'm, I'm not really that, I'm not answering that question at all. But um, they've done some really interesting stuff with like One Day at Disney where they actually just have some guy who's in the background of, you know, Disney World or something just talking about their day and going through their entire day and they deal it with the comic and they do it with actual Disney characters and stuff like that. And it's really interesting just to, it might be a little masturbatory, but just the same. It's very interesting and, and it's, you know, feels nice. I do. I, I was actually more surprised that you didn't say because I was most interested in this one the uh, the the episode that's going to delve into japan's spider-man and how batshit insane that character is and how different it is uh, i think it'll be very fun to see uh how some other country takes on you know what you have like a lot of you know what one has a lot of uh fidelity to and an understanding of and it's like oh yeah spider-man drives a race car or you know I want to see the Italian Spider-Man series too. Uh, Anybody read the Indian Spider? Oh, I was like, I definitely want to see the one about the stage plays written for high school. I think that sounds ridiculous. (laughs) It seems like you make some pretty cheap costumes and they would be serviceable. Well, only if it meets the, because there was, I don't know if you ever heard, there was like Aliens, the musical, like some high school. On, and I was like, that sounds fucking amazing. And I'm so sad that I couldn't go to see it. So I'm hoping that it meets that level of quality. I, I was sort of into like the idea of just cosplaying be a little bit more mainstream and also just a little bit well regarded because I think it's sort of like a nerdy sort of on the outside of things sometimes. And I, they, it feels like they're really going to concentrate on that, which is kind of cool. Kayla. Yeah, I was, um, when we were talking about the different Spider-Men, had, did anybody read the Spider-Man from India? His name was Peter Patel. And he had no. like, yeah. he had like, uh, Marvel actually published it for a while, like like US Marvel uh, in conjunction with an Indian company. Um, and they had like, it was like the top half was like Spider-Man's bodysuit and the bottom half was like a dhoti. And like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, mm, this is a little reductive, but I appreciate it kind of in a very early 2000s sort of way. Uh, but I like the idea of like different international Spider-Men kind of running around. And I hope uh, 616 deals with that. Um, so Amazon, uh, their increasingly successful series, The Boys, will be getting a spinoff show. And it's going to focus on Vought's College for Young Soups. Uh, they say it will be part college show part Hunger Games. Um, Given how surprisingly good The Boys was, do you think this actually might have potential? What'll be some of the things that they do? Uh, Kaylin? 
Well, if they don't call it schoolboys, they should just go kill themselves because that's got to be the title. Uh, I think uh, I think it could be all right. I mean, um, yeah. the boys is surprisingly good. I think they may even deal with like the next generation of teenage kicks, which was the teen team. I haven't seen the second season of boys yet, but it was referenced in the first season with a train and pop claw. And they were definitely featured more in the comic. Uh, so I feel like it'll be like kind of like a, getting, you know, the next generation of superheroes ready for the seven, but like Teenage Kicks is the team that, that, that it'll be called in the school. Ryan? Oh, absolutely horrible stuff happened to them. Yeah. Arguably bad. And maybe they'll there's go a, over that shit, honestly. There's a lot of um, child molesting in, in, in the young superheroes and the boys. Yes, there was. And I'm sure they will probably... <laughs> it's a great point. Uh, yeah, I was like, if the yeah. translation of the comic to the show is any indication, I'm sure they'll handle it with the same level of... Uh, it's definitely going to happen at some point. It's going to be a plot point. Uh, I, I will say, since The Boys does really revolve around the Seven and their sort of, like, reach, which is a mixture of both the Avengers and the Justice League, the idea of having a school to train superheroes is pretty fun and i'm i'm thinking of it more as like what if the x-men were also just as fucked up as yeah. the avengers and blah 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 so it's it, it's gonna bring it to that where it's like th we have these powers we can't control but we are all dickheads so we we will blow someone's face off from a blowjob we will like do all this terrible stuff within the school brent they are still they're they're such dicks that they still insist on playing baseball <laughs> Ew, it's so gross. They're monsters. They must be stopped. True. All right. So apparently, um, LA Comic Con wants to still hold the multi thousand person event this December, which on its face uh, seems like it might be a crazy decision. Uh, they say they're going to have safety measures in place, but hope that they can help people feel some degree of normalcy. Um, so what do you guys think? Is normalcy a cure for a novel coronavirus? <laughs> well, no. it's not bleached for sure. Brian? What, I mean, what is the security measures? Everyone's wearing like a fucking Zoom bubble? Like what, it, like, what the fuck yeah. is it? Like, everyone they, is just... Yeah, they cut, what is it? They rented out the entire convention and they're also cutting the number of tickets in half, which is like... That, none of that means anything. Like, that fucking virus is just going to spread all throughout that convention center. It's obviously like a cash grab. I, you know, it just all seems very, very stupid. Um, Clark? Disney's not going to go for this. Right. WB's not going to go. Who the fuck are yeah. they going to have to go and watch it? What was that um, fucking back in March or something? April, I don't remember, where there was going to be that huge, like, E3 or whatever the goddamn video game one, and every single person dropped because yeah, they didn't want to go to that yeah, shit. It was just a bunch of nobodies that people were watching. Exactly. Like, I guess I can understand individual artists maybe wanting to go, but even then, it's like, just sell your shit online. Like, do a virtual... It'd be so great if they did, like, an entire virtual artist hall. Like, there's yeah. so many more intelligent ways to do this than to just say, well, if we try hard enough, it just might be the same. Kalen? I mean, are they combining this with a Trump rally? I mean, I, I, I just don't really understand, like, why they're even considering this. It's like, wait, just punt it to next year. It's or the, maybe it's even 2022. Orange, 
it's those Orange County housewives that are just like, it's fine. Like they're running the, the convention, it feels like. Because what the oh my fuck? God. Oh I was going to say, it sounds like they read a page out of the Cherry Playbook, which is a circuit party that runs through DC. And I remember they were like, we just, we're just going to like, if you don't feel comfortable, if you're feeling sick, just stay home. It's totally cool. We're like, we're going to go ahead. And everyone's like, are you fucking kidding me? And they're like, okay, fine. It's canceled. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Their first response was, fuck you. If the government, the government has to tell us we can't do it. And then <laughs> people got madder and they're like, oh, we were just, we really take this very seriously. <laughs> I'm I'm sh- I'm shocked that Governor Newsom hasn't already canceled it. Like, cause like he's like not he's taking this super seriously. It's like it's not even a, like a red state governor. Like Newsom would be like, "Are you fucking kidding me? Save that shit for 2022 at the earliest." Yeah. Do do poppers cure COVID? <laughs> I don't know, but I've been That's testing them for weeks. And I haven't gotten it. So. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think I'm getting good results recently. Yeah. If I mm. do, you have to inject it or drink it. <laughs> Let's move on. Yeah. All right. So it's Halloween month. So all fun, spooky activities. Uh, this week we're doing a pitch game with the spookiest superhero, Batman. All right. I want you guys to pitch your movies, your TV shows your YouTube series, your pornos. If it has the Batman, we want to hear it. Kalen, you're the baddiest of Batman. Let's, let's do it. All right, so no more movies. This is an HBO Max show. It's called Batman Gotham Knights. Uh, the premise is you've got a slightly older Batman who realizes he can't protect Gotham the way he used to anymore. Uh, he may fall and without a champion, his city is definitely gonna fall to chaos. Also, his trusted friends Alfred and Jim Gordon are out of the picture. Alfred is dead in this in this when the show begins, and Jim Gordon has been ousted from uh, the GCPD, which is an incredibly corrupt uh, police force. You know, kind of ripped from the headlines, like you know, basically they're all all cops are bastards. Um, so he realizes he needs to like set up a team to help protect the city, and eventually, hopefully, one of them can take his mantle if he ever falls. The team, it's never officially named, even though the show is called Gotham Knights. You've got Oracle, <laughs> which is uh, Barbara Gordon, who never recovered from her injuries by the Joker, so she's still in her wheelchair. Uh, she worked with uh, Amanda Waller's Suicide Squad. She had her own team called Birds of Prey. This is straight from the comics. Um, she serves as Batman's sort of chief intelligence officer. She's the one who kind of gathers all the shit that's going down in the city and like kind of helps you know give the team their missions. She's married to uh, Dick Grayson, in this show, Nightwing, uh, and he doesn't want to be team leader, even though he led the Titans, uh, but he sort of serves as Bruce's conciliary, especially with Alfred dead. The actual team leader is Batwoman, as in Kathy Kane, the redheaded one. Uh, and the reason she's team leader is because um, of her military background. Um, another member of the team is Man Bat, uh, who's uh, the, you know, the weird creature. He's reformed, he's mostly sane now. And he sort of serves as like uh, the main like sort of scientist for the team. And he uh, always stays in his man bat form. Black Lightning, uh, Jefferson Pierce, who is a inner city school teacher. He's much older in the show. Um, and Bruce gets him out of retirement because he sees like how the cops are like treating uh, members of his community. And so he realizes he's got to fight back. Um, Batgirl uh, is Cassandra Kane, the mostly silent daughter of an assassin uh, named Kane. And she's one of the world's best martial artist and she's mostly mute 
And then finally, Dead Man, who is uh, a former acrobat named Boston Brand, uh, but like he's, his spirit stays on Earth and he can like possess uh, 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 any living human being for just a few minutes. And he mostly serves as like the uh, comic relief for the show. Brent? All right, I got two questions. The first is, um, it, so how old is everyone? Are they like in their mid 40s or are they 60 like- 60 and above everyone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I think Bruce is sort of like in his, I would say right now he's in his mid 40s, uh, Oracle and Nightwing and are in their 30s, Batwoman's late 20s, Man Bat's probably late 30s, early 40s, Black Lightning is pushing 50, 55, Batgirl is like 18. And dead man, he's been dead for a while, so who cares? All right, so I got, I got a production note because, you know, we can't, we can't afford to have, you know. It's HBO Max, Brent. The, the C, yeah, the CG man bat all the time. Instead, can we have him be his human form? And then, you know, when he transforms, we'll always have a shadow. <laughs> so we never have to actually. This is not the CW, it's HBO Max, Brent. Adam. How often, as what I assume sounds like a procedural, how often will you zoom in and enhance uh, grainy camera footage to identify who the criminal is? Mm -hmm. uh, before every credit sequence. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the height of detective work in TV. Yeah. Zoom yeah, CSI Gotham. Yeah. Ryan? Ryan. I think you got one thing right. I think it was that it was on HBO Max. Other than that, um, I don't, okay, I think you need to emphasize Batman. So many of these shows got- it's never been done. Harley Quinn, I'm not done. A bunch of other shows that are hey, out right Zoom and enhance on that point. <laughs> yeah. they, they don't, like, we, we live in a Batman world, but we don't have him actively there. And I think to do that is stupid. His world is very vast and beautiful and super fun. So my pitch is Lex Luthor, tired of all of motherfucking Batman's situation and all of his fucking villains, because they are the most popular villains, let's be honest, creates a world where all the Gothams from other parallel universes have to go into one, including our whatever the 616 universe is for DC including Earth One or whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> yeah. But ba so basically they all get transported there. And it's, so it's Batman. It's all of our favorite sidekicks, our favorite superheroes, but also all of our favorite Batman villains are all in one place. And they, much like they tried to do in some of the Batman movies, are all sequestered into one area. We want to see Batman- Do they have swords? They have a thousand swords, but that's a new character that I'll talk about much later. <laughs> but the, the idea is just like have Batman be in his own fucking world with all these fucking villains and spread them all the way out because there are so many Batman villains within the basic circumference of New York City, which makes no fucking sense. So let's have them all in one entire world together. Brent, pick this so, apart. The thing that I like about this idea is Lex Luthor, fundamentally, he is, he is trying to cram as many people as possible into an area to drive up the price of rent. And it's fundamentally a property plan. 
It's very Lex Luthor. Yeah, I mean, he's smart. Like, it's, it just makes sense. And also, he's fucking just tired of other villains. Like, housing no, is already co a competitive. Let's make it cross-dimensional competitive. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, we already have in canon Gene, the Gene Hackman, Kevin Spacey, Lex Luthor, who was a like a real estate tycoon uh, <laughs> and was trying to like you know uh, screw over like you know land deals. So making with, him a slumlord. With with that said, we also have an aging Batman called Batman Beyond that we've seen already too, to great success. So it's like. We've done Batman so many times. We need to get Batman away from everything and have him live on Batman World. Anyone else have a pitch? Well, so see, Batman I, World. Batman, <laughs> I mean, uh, name pending, obviously. You want to take Batman away, but I want to bring Batman to everybody. And so we know everyone's stuck at home for COVID. And we know everybody loves gadgets. And we also know people have more disposable income than ever because... <laughs> They're stuck at home. You're a cat. <laughs> that's awful. Importantly, they love variety. And that's why, gentlemen, I'm presenting you today Bat Packs. It's a monthly box that you receive, which includes gadgets that you've seen in the movies, like a grappling hook, bat pellets for smoke, chakra uh, pellet, batarangs, um, bat gum, bat bombs and more uh and it comes to you every week and you probably could hurt yourself but you'll have a lot of fun doing it brent adam yeah uh, adam i like this joke better when it was on bojack horseman all right well i've got another <laughs> one for you wait 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 hold on before you go on with your crazy pitches i actually think it's a really good idea isn't it yeah but i one note Maybe don't send explosive devices by mail. Yeah. Fair. That's fair. That's All fair. right. My other idea is people oh, are stuck at home. They love variety. And what else do they have to do besides sit in their house because they don't have disposable income but jerk off? Gentlemen, I present to you Batmans, an OnlyFans page where it's nothing but Batman on Batman pornography. I'm into it. Uh, that I'm, there. I'm here for Adam, why not just make like a Furby type of uh, character called Batman and just everyone can bring it home and it'll like do security around your house and you can fuck it or whatever. Like <laughs> just up it up. You know what I mean? Well, guess what? Adam, write that down. Write that down. For write that down. Write that down. Correct. For one premium subscription, you can get not only Batmans, but also <laughs> Bat Packs together delivered to you by a Furby that you can also have sex with. <laughs> um, uh, on a serious note, I did. I do think that they could easily do and really should do a live action uh, Batman Beyond because that is perfect to really reboot and reuse the series. And then you you allow someone to be uh, Bruce Wayne, but older and sort of in the picture, but out of the picture. So you're not you can like in all honesty, Robert Pattinson should have been uh, Terry McGinnis. Like we shouldn't have had, we shouldn't have bothered to do another Batman story. We should have just jumped to beyond because I think there's so much potential for, for talking about it. And I think we're sooner or later, we're going to be much closer to when that's happening than when actual Batman's supposed to be taking place or like it, if it feels real anymore. Um, but yeah, Batman's only fans sign up for it.
Clark, do you have a pitch or would you like to pitch last? Brent, do you have one? I do. Um, it is a, it's a movie. Um, it's actually a three-part movie series. I haven't worked out like how the story arc goes over it, but basically, no, wait, actually I revised it. I want it to be a TV show after what Kaylin said, but I want it to have a CW level script, <laughs> like but production budget. And the, the story begins, you know, Batman's a billionaire and he's like solving a crime, but he's like an actual billionaire. So he's not particularly good at solving crimes. He can just afford a lot of gadgets and shit. And basically like on his first night out, someone reveals that it's famous billionaire, you know, Bruce Wayne. And then he keeps trying to solve crimes, but everyone knows it's fucking him. So sometimes they like, just to get him out of their hair, they just let him, you know, yes, you saved me. Oh, thank you. Please go away. And the police like know who it is. So they're trying to shut him down. But because he's fucking crazy, because he decided to be Batman, uh, he's like armed his house to the teeth. And it basically becomes like a showdown between him and the police where he's actually just executing people rather than like solving real problems with his billion, billions. Uh, I it's, really want it's, bat gonna, the most. <laughs> it's, it's gonna be tough to get those bat packs to his house because of all that security <laughs> around yeah it, he has know? like landmines <laughs> <laughs> clark uh so, dude what do you think do you remember the time that on um, podcast maybe two months two years ago where i called the guy who killed batman's parents joe cool instead yeah. of joe chill <laughs> So <laughs> Joe Camel. <this> is, <laughs> Joe Camel. <laughs> no, isn't Joe Cool? Joe Cool is Snoopy's alter ego. That's really cool. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. This is gonna be a 15-minute episode on HBO Max. And it takes place in a world where Joe Cool, the as Snoopy as Joe Cool murdered his parents. So these are gonna be 15-minute episodes. And it's just called Batman Walks People's Dogs. And the entire 15 minutes is the entire length and, and time that he walks these dogs. So the actual villains are just dogs straight up. So Mr. Mr. Freeze, for example, would be like Mr. Breed. And so he just goes around humping everything and just come That's everywhere. That's also an Adam's nightmare. project. A, yeah, that was in Batman's too. That's what Mr. Freeze yeah. does in Batman's. Mr. <laughs> yeah, anyway. So, so, and then the Joker is just like attacking children and it's just a horror show and batman that's the last episode because that's when batman goes to prison but they're also all which is literally just the pound is there a barkley quinn ah, yeah. that's perfect uh, barkley quinn um what else the riddler is the piddler so it just pees everywhere <laughs> the 15 minutes is literally just you know when those dogs stop every second of the pee and you really just want them you'd like have to drag them everywhere so that's the entire TV show is just him walking a dog. And the penguin is literally just a penguin. So he just walks around the apartment a bit. <laughs> but hey, it sounds better than Gotham, honestly. I was going to say, your real twist is that it's actually dog woman instead of cat woman. Or is it? A oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cat, cat woman is literally just a dog. But can Joe, cool, can Joe Cool become Raish Al Cool at one point? He oh, becomes like the eco terrorist. Yes. I'm fine with that. Who paws up? Well, I, but, I that mean, but that means that um, Batman will have sex with his dog daughter and give birth to like a half dog, half human 
That, hey, you know what? Hey, I'm sold. Hey, season hey, two. Stop, season two. Stop, stop spoiling the finale. I don't want to know spoilers, honestly. That's that sweeps week. Yeah, the That's end of his, the uh, end of the first season, you see like the outline of Joe Cool, but he's got like old man hair and everything stop like that. It. <laughs> he's deaf smoking a cigarette too, oh, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my god. And of well, course Batman's child is dog Ben, so Yeah. We got it. I you see the you see the corpse of Woodstock also. <laughs> These pitches have greatly spooked me. So I, this is yeah. a spooky October. Oh, it's Ooh. the spookiest. All right, let's do some comic stuff. Um, this week we had uh, Shang Chi number one and Giant Size X Men tribute thing. Uh, Clark, I, Clark, I think you had something to kick off this this segment. Yeah, um, so what I was told I was doing is True Truths and a Lie, but that wasn't written down, so I had to put it in right now. So anyways, I've got 12 truths and 6 lies. They're cut up into <laughs> sections. So I'm just going to list the entire ones. You just have to figure it out. It's going to be exhausting. <laughs> so anyways, instead of just telling you what the series is all about, it, this is going to be a, a fucked up version of. Anyway, shall we shall we begin? Yes, sure. I, All right. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I'm making first one notes is just right Shang-Chi's origin. So, two, two, two truths and a lie. Number one, Shang-Chi's first series lasted over 100 issues with the same creative team, but the artist did not survive to finish the run, dying of a heart attack with two issues to spare. Clark, Clark can, after each one, can we guess if it's true or not? No, after the first three. These okay. are the time. Okay, great. All right, number two. For the first 20 years of its existence, Shang-Chi was colored a sickly pale yellow, as was common for Marvel's Asian characters until the 1990s. Number three, Shang-Chi was just a ripoff of Bruce Lee's Hands of Fury after Marvel was unable to get the comic rights. All right. Ready? Who is so it? You, would, you would throw up the is number it, you think is the lie, right? Yeah. yeah. Is, it, is it dying creative team artist? Is it sickly pale yellow or Bruce Lee Hands of Fury? We're split. Um, yes, number two is the number two is the lie because he was actually col colored this insane-looking gold. He was like orange oh. gold for twenty years, for some apparent reason. Like that, no other human has that color. How did that? Wait, which that art? Guy? Yeah, what was the what? artist that died? That was Paul Gulasi. I don't remember. I didn't. Look, I I forgot and didn't need to write it down because I felt <laughs> like if I if I gave you the care the actual writer's name, then Wait, it would no. pull you away from number one. Mm. It was right, Judy Gold. Thing. <laughs> yeah, the next one I titled Sketchy Racial Elements. So, number one, a giant of a man is how Shang-Chi's friend Blackjack Tar, an MI6 agent uh, of African descent, is described in multiple issues of Shang-Chi's first series. Ugh. Number two, Shang-Chi's father, Fu Manchu, gave name to the mustache style, where the end of the mustache forms tendrils hanging down below the chin. Number three, Shang-Chi's mother has appeared in one single comic, is never named, and is a blonde white woman. What? So blonde white woman, uh, mustache, or um, blackjack tar. Uh, all right. Are you guys ready to throw it up? Yeah. Oh, wait. Yeah, I think. Uh... Kalen is right. Blackjack tar, luckily, is a white man. Because if not, <laughs> it would be racist as Really spot. bad. Okay. So yeah, he has a blonde white mother who they never fucking bring up the fact that he's mixed race ever. All Which is good because why why would they even do that? All I mean, I times. guess firstly, you know. I didn't want the first one to be correct, Clark, because I didn't want you to have put that much effort into <laughs> Yeah. 
thinking of that. All right. So next one, as we're going to deal with in fucking the actual miniseries, we already have two many secret siblings. So number one, Shang-Chi's villainous older sister is literally named um, Fallo-Si and is the leader of the evil organization, the Oriental Expeditors. Number two, Shang-Chi's secret brother, Moving Shadow, appeared in only one miniseries, dying at the hands of his father when he threw three mountains on top of him. Number three, Shang-Chi's adopted brother, Midnight Sun, was their father's favorite until he stole a cask of wine and blamed the priest, Quan Shu, allowing him to be executed. So is it cask of wine, is it three mountains, or is it fallow sea? These are very difficult. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it, it, the is right number, it is number three. It is number three. Yes. There was a cask of wine involved, but no one was a liar, luckily. That was so specific that I'm like, that's either it has to be true, or it's like you just got really into your your uh, fandom and. I love the fact that his sister is literally called Fallacy. It's so fucking dumb. I All thought right. it was so over the top that it couldn't be true, honestly. The Oriental Expeditors is is quite a name. That All I right. think that was similar to Brent's original one. I I needed that to be correct so that I wouldn't believe that you wrote that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh God, yeah, that's true. Um, so uh, Shang Shang Chi, um, has literally some of the worst villains in Marvel history. So number one, I have Carlton Velcro, a wealthy Mediterranean millionaire, captured Chang Chi and Blackjack Tar, throwing them into a trapdoor panther pit and shooting lasers at them from his nuclear submarine. <laughs> Number two, Razor Fist is a man with two massive knives on his hands, rending, rendering him unable to shower and feed himself. One assumes he can't wipe his ass or masturbate. Number three, Pearl Dragon is Shang Chi's sometimes dragon lover turned enemy who turned on him after he was presumed to have knocked up ex-girlfriend Liko Wu when it was actually Clive Reston and his wandering penis. All right, which one's true? Which one is the lie? Which one's a lie, I should say? The lie too. Yeah, wandering penis is the lie. Yeah. Oh. I knew that because I know those other terrible facts, which was Pearl Drag. I, I love the fact that Razor Fist can't do any of these things. Oh, he literally has I women who real. do all of this for him. I mean, imagine they do many things for him, but all right. Halfway done. Next one. I oh. call Shang-Chi the Halfway. Cup. What? We're halfway done? I said there were six. All right. Uh, Shang-Chi. No, no. Sorry. Three-fourths of the way. Excuse me. Um, Shang-Chi the, the cuck. And here is for hire, Shang-Chi and the black cat were an item, but she left him in disgust after he tore teammate Humbug's head off after Humbug was impregnated by a brood queen. <laughs> Number two, Shang-Chi and uh, Xinquei, the cat, scrapped, scraped, uh, yeah, scrapped violently over their love for uh, Jade Peacock singer Juliet, who stabbed a knife into her shoulder to stop the fighting. Number three, Liko Wu, Shang-Chi's primary lover, love interest, ended up with Shang-Chi's MI6 boss and friend, Clive Reston, who's the son of James Bond and the great nephew of Sherlock Holmes. That last one sounds really true to me, so I'm gonna say number one. I'm two. Number one is only, yes, he never dated Black Cat. He did rip off Humbug's head though. <laughs> yeah. Bah Humbug. All right, and then the final one I called Shang-Chi's Squeakquels. 
these are mini series that happen after the eight-year run that was like his big deal. All right, so in the Hellfire Apocalypse, Shang-Chi leads the Omega team, James Bond style, against his evil father and never-before-mentioned brother, who are hell-bent on taking over the world. Number two, in Death Bloom, Shang-Chi returns to his birth village to stop Boss Wolf's army, who are wholesale slaughtering entire villages in search of ancient metal flowers designed to end Kung Fu once and for all. In Bleeding Black, Shang-Chi searches for the serum of eternal life after he's poisoned by the assassin Shadow Hand. With the help of his MI6 friends, he must escape his father's booby-trapped hidden facilities before he succumbs. I didn't realize he had so much connection to MI6. Is it Hellfire? I know. Hellfire Apocalypse, um, de uh, Death Bloom, or Bleeding Black? It is number two because that is the... That is the plot of Kung Fu Panda 2. <laughs> ah! <laughs> That's amazing. That's so yeah. good. I never um, saw it. We learned a lot. About yeah, you movie. learned quite a lot of nonsense. I can't wait for this movie to come out. <laughs> oh, yeah. so did anybody actually read the comic, the first issue? Yeah. Of this? Yes, of course. Yeah. It, it, it was, do the re yeah, do the recap. Do the recap, please. All right. So... so it turns out Shang-Chi has like four other new siblings that we didn't know about. Um, he's got this younger sister who just murders one of their brothers to take over the whatever the fuck it is. Who cares? The five. We're, we're not reading this after this one. So I'm not saying names. <laughs> who gives a shit? Anyways, Shang-Chi works for some lady making food. And then his gran her grandmother shows up and he wants to sleep with grandmother. Her grandmother. This really old woman has a grandmother. That's hot. Anyways, so... Lika Wu, his ex, shows up and she's like, some people are going to come kill you. And then they try to come kill him and it doesn't work. And then Shang-Chi says, I'm going to save my younger sister. And the younger sister says, I'm going to kill my older brother. And that's the exciting stuff that happens in the book. We're not going to read again. Kaylin. Two things I'll just say that, because I don't want to be completely negative. I do like that we have uh, an Asian author writing it, Gene Yuen yes. Lang. We talked about him before. He did write, he's written some indie stuff, but he wrote um, New Superman for DC Comics, which was a Chinese Superman uh, that worked for the, uh, the People's Republic of China. The other thing I did really like is when he is working, when Shang-Chi is working in the Asian bakery and you've got the old woman, she is every Asian matron I have ever met. Uh, she, when she sees her niece, She's like, You're, something's wrong with your skin. You got to eat this soup. I'm like, that's what they do. They point out the flaws and the only solution, the only antidote is more food. So <laughs> even if you're, even if you're gaining too much weight, like you have to eat more food, the right food to lose this weight. It's great. Ryan? I agree. She was a shining star this issue. I did enjoy her. Uh, with that said, this was very, very watered down for American audiences to be okay with Shang-Chi before he comes to the big screen. And it, it, you could feel that in everything. I think I felt it the most, like just sort of like uh, his origin story seems very simple now, which I know it's not. And also the dialogue was truly some of the worst that I've read in a while. It was just like outrageous. Kalen, what do you think? Remember last week when we talked about the Hellstrom uh, uh, trailer? 
and how I said that Hellstrom being like a 70s character in the same way that Punisher was, was like these sort of popular movie genres of like, you know, uh, like horror, uh, crime and martial arts. Uh, these characters were then transported and transfixed onto the Marvel universe. Shang-Chi to me, I like him as a character, but really only works when you have him in the context of the rest of the Marvel universe. When you don't have that, it becomes a generic martial arts character. Um, and it's, it's sort of unfortunate that that worked, but look, I only really enjoy him when he's with Heroes for Hire or the Avengers or in another kind of context. When he's by himself, I'm like, okay, I'm kind of bored. Adam? And that was too bad because I think both of you are exactly right. The middle section of the book was strong, like the just slice of life, Shang-Chi existing. Like I would read more of that book. And then anything before, after, particular to the the movings of the serpent people of the wind or whatever the overall clan is called, it's just a, it's just a nightmare. It's, a, it's very blunt and it's exactly right. Like there's no, to your point, Kaelin, like if there was like a tongue in cheek element of like oh we're we're doing a old school martial arts film like I, I i like saw the pieces of it but it just felt like an old school martial arts film not something that was like you didn't like turn it on its head a little bit which i think hopefully the series will continue to do i know clark has been adamant that we're not reading it uh but i i do hope the best for the series and that that's that's really the best play for it is like how do you enliven it for audiences because it's if that sort of thing makes the jump to the MCU, it's also going to fall flat because there's not a sort of winking and knowingness of what you're trying to create um, idea. We can revisit the series when it's on Marvel Unlimited, uh, which will be in like six months. So I was going to say, we shit on the Immortal Hulk and now we're all reading it. So <laughs> maybe we'll define that with you <laughs> yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, read that instead. Yeah, I agree. So when they announced this and they gave us the general plot of like, you know, he's going to go up against his siblings and blah, blah, blah. I was very apprehensive because of like, we're going to introduce more siblings, not really realizing how many siblings he actually had that were like secret ones that we didn't, that we found out later years. It's just, why the fuck do we need five, four more when we got it, four literally that we already had? It just feels forced and it feels like they're doing it on purpose to fit it into some sort of thing that they can use for later. It doesn't feel real right now. Feels boring as fuck. For yeah. real. Speaking of real, Giant Size X-Men tribute also came out this week. And it's really real because it's basically just the exact same thing from 40, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. But with some terrible different art in every single page. Yeah, so it was a different artist per page. And then, again, it. I really the big question is, what did you, how did you feel about the overall tribute? And then what was your favorite uh, panel? Kaylin. Um, I think it was completely superfluous. Um, I, yeah, the, the book is about, it's 45 years old um, this month, I want to say. Uh, and it just did very little to like actually honor the original comic because, um, you know, Dave Cockrum, um, you know, whether you like a style or not, like was very influential in the way that the X-Men, the all new, all different team were first presented in the seventies and even up to the early eighties to a certain degree. Having even, uh, having a different artist on each page and the vast majority of them are very talented. We have enjoyed a lot of their art before was just, it kept pulling me out of the book of, of a story that I know very, very well. And I was just like, 
Um, I could appreciate some details here and there, but it just was like, it was just a very incongruous uh, um, experience. I will say the one page I thought looked really nice was page 36 by Mike Del Mundo, who drew the Thor series from a couple of years ago. He did Weird World. Uh, there's something very kind of lovely in the way his panel uh, paneling works. Um, and it doesn't feel like he's just aping Dave Cockrum. He's kind of doing his own moody style. So I kind of dug that. Brett? Yeah, I'd say, uh, you know, given that it was a tribute and you think about like when musicians have a tribute, you know, for, the, for their death, you, what you're doing really is taking someone's work and then doing a worse version of it. And in that sense, it was a perfect tribute. Excellent. Just knocked it out of the park. Uh, I don't think there was anything about this that I enjoyed. I mean, I know there's some pages that have like, okay artwork, but when I read this story originally, you know, I kind of thought it was bland and not really well written. And I think that if you were going to do a tribute, you'd probably just do a, try and actually make this good. Um, and they didn't. Uh, Ryan? Um, yes, I know the story very well because I read it a couple times of the year. And this was fucking uh, an abomination because you could not read it or do anything. Uh, my favorite panel, because it relies just on how fucking stupid this is, was uh, page 33, where it just looks like a fucking Gila monster just <laughs> shooting lasers out of his fucking eyes because he don't give a shit. Like, much like we don't at this story that we already know so well. It's tough. Clark? I Too had many two cups. that I liked. I mean, this was a very rough thing. I don't know why it even exists. I get the 45 years, but like, who cares? Not 50 years. I don't like that shit. Anyways, um, I liked page 22 because I'm 17, excuse me, because I love Mark Brooks and Mark Brooks' artwork, artwork in general. He, this is the um, start, to part, start of part two where they show the entire team for the first time. And it's just yeah, yeah. gorgeous nice. people doing gorgeous Beautiful. things. And then the other one, I can assume you can guess, it's um, uh, the Polaris panel of all Polaris panels in terms of the fact that they fixed the fact that she was the one to shove Krakoa into this guy, which Brubaker changed. So it's fucking Jean Grey doing that shit. And I was furious. <laughs> so they finally officially officially fixed that so it's good so there you go i think the only right. thing i loved that fucking panel and uh clark your panel i think that was just the artwork is beautiful um and then i the only thing that i would have thought of and maybe they'll do this on their 50 year is like don't just do the same exact story give us like interesting and weird like funny vignettes around all of the storyline like i just there's just there's just no heart in this whatsoever, and it, to that point is I don't know who the audience is. Like, old people are not going to enjoy it. New people won't like it because it doesn't make any sense. Just a just a mess, Kalen. I, I was going to make a, a plug for something that I think you would really enjoy based on what you just said, Adam. Uh, it's called Classic X Men, and it's on Marvel Unlimited, and it was uh, published from like the '80s to the '90s, and it was reprints of the all new, all different era starting with Giant Size X-Men number one. But what made it really special was, uh, it was mostly Chris Claremont with like a different artist, but sometimes he had different uh, other writers doing like little vignettes of the characters within the story. So Giant Size X-Men kind of focused in on 
like Wolverine trying to integrate with the new uh, X-Men and him hitting on Jean Grey and like Angel coming to fight him because of that. Uh, when they introduced Kitty Pride, for example, at the beginning of the Dark Phoenix saga, when she phases for the, you know, uh, for the first or second time, you see like what goes on in her head about like why she has these headaches and like what she's dealing with. Um, and it's actually really cool. So uh, classic X-Men and Marvel Unlimited, highly, highly recommend it. Uh, and I would love to see more stuff like that. All right, well, um, be sure to check out our uh, review of Ten of Swords, which is released, uh, was released on Friday. And it's all about X-Factor number four, featuring special guest, Evil Jeff from Comic Book Queers. And uh, thank you all to uh, the listeners for listening to the regular episode, which will always be released on Monday as the issued number with a 0.5 at the end and our classic logo. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Instagram at Homo Superior Podcast, Twitter at Homo Superior X. We've been Homo Superior, where we walk the tightrope of Shang-Chi's problematic history so you don't have to. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.